Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of Yoshua, Joshua, chapter 5. We're going to learn the second half. Today we are going to discuss the celebration of Passover, of Pesach, um, which um, also uh, was, will be the first Pesach, the first Passover the people celebrate in the new land prior <clears throat> to the beginning of the uh, combat, before the actual conquering begins. So before the war begins, the people were settled now um, on the uh, western side of the Jordan within the land of Israel, and, and they were about to celebrate Passover. But before that, we are going to read an extremely interesting verse. So let's, we're going to start with chapter 5, verse 9. Vayomer Adonai el Yehoshua. God said to Joshua as follows, Hayom, today. And this is referring, today we just completed the circumcision that we just talked about, Galosi. I have uncovered, I have revealed et cherpat Mitzrayim, the shame of Egypt, me'alechem, from upon the people. Vayikro shem ha'makomahu Gilgal adeomazeh. And he called this place Gilgal. Gilgal, presumably Gil from uh, Gamalamid from the word Galosi, I have revealed. And God doubled it, revealed, revealed. Gilgal is a double reveal, like very much revealed the Cherpat Mitzrayim. Now, <clears throat> for those of you that listened, and I highly recommend that you listen to my previous podcast, 5A, the people had just been asked to circumcise themselves, and by circumcising themselves, they removed the Cherpat Mitzrayim, the shame of Egypt. What does this mean to remove the shame of Egypt? I know if you look in the commentaries, there's a, light, a, a lot of um, different explanations, and each one has its importance and its value. But I'm going to continue with a theme that I started the last one. <laughs> that is, is that circumcision represents humility, recognizing that it is not the human masculine strength uh, 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 of, which, of power and might which is represented by the male phallus. However, it is our special relationship with God that gives us our inner strength and moral and ethical guidance. Now, <clears throat> um, this is represented by the circumcision, by removing the foreskin. And which is, again, why, and I, I know I said this a bunch yesterday, that... Um, that it was Arlat Levavchem, it was the, the uh, Mila throughout the Torah, throughout the Bible, constantly refers to removing arrogance, Arlat Halev. Now, um, <clears throat> the, the, um, so what does it mean when God says here, I revealed the Cherpat Mitzrayim, the shame of Egypt? In order to explain this, I want to uh, refer back to Ezekiel 31. Ezekiel 31, that's Yechezkel chapter Lamed Aleph, Parak 31, where God is, is, prophesizes through, the cha, through, through Ezekiel, and he talks a little bit about uh, an event in history that is going to happen later. However, it relates very much to Egypt, and it's very, very, very closely related to what we're studying today, and I think it's important for us to, to understand it. And God says to Ezekiel, this is occurring in, um, during the time at the end of the first temple period, many hundreds of years after the events we're reading about now in Joshua. 
It was a time when the nation of Assyria had already succumbed and been destroyed by the nation of Babylon. And Babylon was the, the, the big shot at the time. And Babylon's primary um, uh, enemy, major enemy, was Egypt at the time. It was the only large um, uh, <coughs> empire that, that, <coughs> that challenged Babylon at this juncture in history during Ezekiel's time. This was before the Persian Empire became uh, uh, great and eventually conquered the Babylonian Empire, which was only uh, like one or two generations after Ezekiel. But here it goes. Ezekiel turns his attention towards Egypt. And I, I want you to remember this is Egypt. And he says, Immoral paro, this is verse 2. God, God says to Ezekiel, I want you to transmit this message to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, El Hamono, and to his, his uh, uh, this is often translated, his hordes, his masses of people. El who can you compare yourself to? God is giving, wants Ezekiel to turn towards Egypt and give them a lesson in history. You got, who's similar to you? You guys are big and strong and mighty and thousands and thousands of people and you have all these weapons and everything and you're great and so on. But who's like you? Sure, look at Assyria. They were great like you. And then God goes on to describe how great and mighty the Assyrian Empire was. I'm not going to go re read through it, but they had wealth, they had power. Let's read through verse 3, 4, 5. And therefore, what did they do? Alcain, in verse 5, Ezekiel 31, they became arrogant. Their height, their greatness was higher than all the other trees of the field. They became arrogant, Right? What happened? Asher Govata Bakoma, God says, this is verse 10, because you became so arrogant and so high. Viram Livavo Bigavho, and you became arrogant, your heart became became too um, stuck up with yourselves and your own greatness because you were so great. Therefore, El therefore I put Assyria into the hands of their enemies, and they were chopped down, and their greatness collapsed into everything. And therefore, and then God goes ahead and describes the, the destruction of, of, of Assyria because of their arrogance. But then, El, then God says in verse 18, El Mida Misa, God reminds the people of Egypt, who are you similar to now that you guys are sitting at the top of the world and everything? You are like, that's you, that's Pharaoh. But what is the language that God uses? Look at Ezekiel 31, 18, and this is what I was driving towards the whole time. To whom can you compare yourselves in greatness and in stature? In the, among the trees of Eden. In other words, among the trees of my garden. Who's the biggest and tallest? Who can you compare yourselves to Assyria? And you will be brought down just like those other great, those other great trees. And listen to this language. You are going to be destroyed among those uncircumcised. You are going to lie there with all of the corpses of those armies that have been slaughtered. That will be the ultimate um, uh, end of Pharaoh and your hordes if you do not learn this lesson and come down from your arrogance. Look, look what the language that God uses when he refers to Egypt and its haughtiness. This 
helps us understand what Cherpat Mitzrayim is over here. What is Joshua talking about? Yes, I know that I shot forward about uh, hundreds of years in history, but the point here is, is that the arrogance of Egypt is the arrogance of an Aurel, of an uncircumcised, one who does not circumcise himself, one who does not circumcise his heart, does not circumcise his, his male masculine might. That's Cherpat Mitzrayim, and God is saying over here, I have now revealed it. How have I revealed it? By commanding you to circumcise yourselves, to remind yourselves where your true power and strength comes from. And now that you recognize that, now you are ready to celebrate that relationship, that relationship that began at the exodus of Egypt. By Achnubani Yisrael Bagilgol, and the people of Israel then camped, now I'm back to Joshua verse 10, the people of Israel camped in Gilgal, in the place of the reveal, where they revealed their hearts to be tied to God by Asuas Pesach, and now they can celebrate the Pesach, the Passover, the Arba Ashar on the 14th day, Yom Lachodesh Ba'erev of the month, the 14th day of the first month of the year, Ba'erev in the evening, Ba'arvos Yericho in the um, in the uh, Arvot, in the uh, steps, in the plains of Jericho, because they're about to embark on the capture of the city of Jericho. And they ate from the um, uh, produce of the land, Pesach, on the day after the Passover, Matzot, they ate uh, Matzot. Remember, Matzot is unleavened bread, which is eaten on the Passover. Um, and Kaloi is parched grain, in other words, um, uh, fried without, without becoming leavened during this, uh, this day. And remember that it's uh, only after... Um, this day that they're able to eat of the fruit of the land. And this was also the day when the manna, the man, stopped falling. On that next day, now that they're able to eat of the fruit of the land, and no longer did the people of Israel have the man. And that year they lived and sustained themselves by eating from the produce that was available in the land of Canaan, of Canaan. This is um, a crucial event, and we fully can understand and appreciate the relationship between circumcision and Passover. Anyone familiar with the Passover Haggadah, the service that's, that we read on Passover night at the Seder, um, the relationship of B'damayi Chayi, the, the two bloods, the blood of the Paschal Lamb and the blood of the circumcision and the relationship between the two, here in Joshua 5 is where we see that relationship um, so closely. And we're about to read now about a very interesting um, episode. Now, after all of this happened, the lesson of the circumcision and the lesson of the uh, and the celebration of Passover. And now the people, uh, by more and more we find and we get this feeling that God is receding into the background. The miracles are becoming less miraculous, so to speak. Now the manna is gone. The people are starting to eat regular fruit of the land. Um, uh, so, so um, and now an interesting event occurs. It happened when Joshua was in Yericho, so presumably this occurred at um, during the time of uh, right after the celebration of Passover, which we just read about. Yoshua raised up his eyes, Vayar, and he saw a vision. 
There was a man standing opposite him. And this man had a withdrawn sword in his hand. Now we find this term ish, and we're, as we're going to see as we read through it, that this was an angel, a representation of, of an angel of God that Joshua was seeing. And we find many times, we found it, we just referenced Ezekiel before, Ezekiel certainly saw an ish, and then we find it in Daniel, an ish, which is a reference to a, an angel coming in the appearance of a man. We find it, of course, with Abraham. <clears throat> many, many times throughout the Torah, we find an angel represented in an image to a prophet when he appears to a prophet as, as the image of a man. So, and he was standing there with charbosh lufabiyado, with a sword withdrawn in his hand. This also reminds us of the image that uh, Bilam, uh, on a, that the donkey saw the, a, a, an angel um, with a sword withdrawn. So Yoshua sees this image, and he says to him, Are you with us or are you here to punish us? <coughs> there is a lot of um, <coughs> uh, uh, many commentaries and many approaches to this. I tend to think of this as a. Um, uh, Yoshua probably understood immediately that this was the image of an angel. But Yoshua did not know, is this an angel similar to the angel that Bilaam encountered who had a sword? Who was about to slaughter Bilaam, in other words, because he had done something wrong? <clears throat> or is this an angel that is represents the sword which we are about to use against the people of Canaan and then you're coming here to send me a message that we are going to be victorious? In other words, are you here to bring me bad news or good news? <clears throat> A sword, depending on who you're wielding it against, me or my enemies, as Joshua said, Halonu, are you with us? Or are you with our enemies? A sword could be either good news or bad news. Vayomer, lo, no. Kiani Adonai. I am the, the chief of God's army, <clears throat> right? Atovasi, um, and I have come now. What is this answer? We find on um, <clears throat> uh, uh, many, again, there's a lot of commentaries, but I would like to just, just let's make this simple. Atta, now that you people have represented, you have done the circumcision and you have, you have taken away your arrogance, you have humbled yourselves before God and cemented that relationship with God. And now that you have celebrated the Passover, which, which is a celebration of the special relationship that you have with God. Now, I'm here. And this is <clears throat> extremely interesting because he doesn't say whether or not the sword is going to be used for good or for bad. He doesn't answer his question. And there's a reason why he doesn't answer his question. And the reason is obvious because that depends. If you continue on the path that you seem to be going on right now, which is the right path, I'm with you. By saying, I am God, the head of God's army, he's reminding Joshua that God's army, what God's army does is dependent on what you do. Are you going to follow my instructions? Are you going to do good or are you going to do bad? So therefore, Vayipol Yoshua al-Panov Joshua immediately fell upon his face and he prostrated himself 
before the before him. What, my master, do you say, do you have to say to his servant? I am a servant of God. I am here to serve God, who you represent. What message do you have for me? And the, the master, the general of God's army said to Joshua, Take your, your shoes off your feet. Made a love. The place which you stand upon, Kodesh, who was holy, Vayas Yoshua came, and Joshua did that. The, um, this is fascinating because um, <clears throat> he never answers the question. <laughs> this is very mysterious. But the point is that he actually did answer the question. <laughs> Joshua prostrated himself by saying, I am your servant. Joshua is getting the message. I, that is the message. The message is, is that if you want me to be with you, you have to humble yourself before me, me being God who this angel is representing. Now, and according to the way the, the Jewish um, chapters are broken, <clears throat> the next verse, which is listed as 6-1, remember I, I've said this numerous times throughout this podcast, that the current numbering system of chapters and verses were laid out by uh, by Christian scholars, uh, for whatever reason, they laid it out this way, and we use it because it standardizes the text across all who read and revere the words of the Bible, Jews and Christians alike. However, the Jewish tradition has this next verse as not being the first verse of the next chapter, but rather being the last verse of this chapter. So I'm going to read it now. Virichó <clears throat> and Jericho, so geresu misu geres, was closed up tight. They had closed ranks, from before the Jewish people. There was no one coming, no one going. They were readying themselves for the attack. Now, <clears throat> we can certainly understand why one would place that as the first verse of the next chapter, like the Christian numbering system does. It makes a lot of sense because the episode of the angel seems to have ended <clears throat> and the episode of Jericho, which we're going to read about in the next chapter, begins. So, it would make sense to start that chapter off with Richo. So that is very logical and makes a lot of sense why the Christian numbering system has it that way. But why would the Jewish numbering system have this as the last verse of this encounter? And I want to say that it it brings across a really important message. Because <clears throat> when we prostrate ourselves and humble ourselves before God and say, <clears throat> we asked, remember Joshua asked the question, God, are you going to help us or are you not going to help us? God's answer is, is that I will do dependent on what your actions is. If your actions is to make yourself subservient and humble before me, then, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> then I am with you. If not, I am not with you. Now go look at your problems. The Yericho is getting ready, right? The relationship is, Yoshua prostrated himself and then he recognized, now I have a very fundamental human earthly problem in front of me. We need to attack the city of Jericho because that city is standing in our way. The enemy is there. The enemy is there. I feel it. I know it. Right? And God didn't tell me whether or not he's going to conquer the city or not for me. He said he will help me if I humble myself before him. So this relates the Joshua's reaction 
to the problem that stands before him. Like if you imagine if a person is standing before God and a terrible, with a time of his life when he, has, he or she has this tremendous challenge in front of them and he, wants, he or she asks, looks to God and she says, God, are you going to help me? Are you going to save me? Are you going to save me? And God doesn't answer. God doesn't say, I will. God doesn't say, I will. God says, I am God. Humble yourself before me. That's God's answer. Now go deal with your problem. Thank you so much for studying chapter 5b together of Joshua. Looking forward to studying chapter 6 and of course the entirety of this wonderful book together.